Clip City is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Clippers' ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. If you were not at the Clippers game against the Spurs, you missed a really good game. I think this would have been a fun one to be at uh, Halloween. It was Halloween-themed. They had cool you know, Halloween music, all that good stuff. Uh, Halloween dancing, halftime performance. Uh, so don't miss the Clippers' upcoming games. They have a game against the Jazz on Sunday, the, the Bucks on Wednesday, the Blazers on Thursday. Really good home slate coming up. They're going to be at Staples for a couple of weeks. So check that out on Game Time. Head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to episode four of the Clip City podcast. I am your host, Yovan Buha, coming to you live from Staples Center. I'm here with Mo Dackhill. Mo, how you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm a little bit tired. I think I need some <laughs> load management <laughs> uh, after last night's back-to-back. I got back from Utah around like 1.30. I knocked out for a couple hours, then got ready, did a radio hit, then got ready, then came here. So uh, I'm going to need some rest tonight, I think. When we talk about the NBA schedule, we never talk about it, how it affects the writers and the reporters out there. But we gotta, everybody's got to jump on late flights, early morning flights to get where they need to be. We, we had some talk tonight about coach load management and, and Doc suggesting coaches should get some nights off. Uh, Pop denied that and said that he just thinks coaches should wear sweatpants or sweatsuits uh, to games instead of suits which i'm actually for you're it's a game like why are they wearing a suit you know and we're at the point now even with the media is dressing more and more down like the coaches should get a chance to just sort of be relaxed pops like i just want to wear sneakers and a sweatsuit and i'm good i mean did you see how happy he was coaching (laughs) team usa wearing a polo like that was that was his dream right there so i mean i i think that it's going to be have to be the next big trend across the league is uh I mean, what's the league going to do if all 30 coaches decide to show up one day in, for every game and just wear their sweats? I mean, and you have your, your branded, you know, team stuff. You just wear the, the, the team name across your chest. Like, uh, I think if, if anything, like Nike would want that. <laughs> yeah, it's easy for that. It's easy. As long as they're not forced to wear the uniform like baseball managers. Because there's some coaches I do not need to see in a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, speaking of load management, let's not bury the lead here. That has been the talk of the week for the Clippers, dating back to Saturday's game against the Suns, where I, I guess the quickest version of this is Kawhi Leonard is not on a minutes restriction per se, but they're kind of trying to keep him in a minutes range of 30 to 35 minutes. And in that game against the Suns, which the Clippers lost 130 to 122, Doc pulled Kawhi midway through the fourth for a couple minutes brought him back in and at that point the game was pretty much over uh he hit a couple shots to to bring it to six uh then the suns responded with a couple threes and and that was it uh so some fans not only clipper fans like you know uh, laker fans just regular nba fans were kind of questioning the move but clipper fans especially were uh upset with you know why you pulling Kawhi in in the middle of the fourth quarter and you know we're, we're trying to make a comeback and so the way I kind of understood it, which I think no one talked about, was the Clippers have been trying to keep Kawhi in six-minute spurts. If you look at when they take him out in the first and third, it's always around the six-minute mark. Uh, there's been a couple instances in which they've let him play to like the four-minute mark. But if you look at his chunks of time, he's usually playing somewhere in like the five- to seven-minute range uh, at a time. And that quarter, he had actually started the fourth, played the first six minutes, then they pulled him for Pat Beverly, but nine seconds later, Pat fouled out. And instead of just going with Mo Harkless and maybe resting Kawhi for a couple minutes, Doc put Kawhi back in, I think, trying to see if they can make that comeback. 
they they didn't get the lead down. I think it went from 13 to 12 over the next two minutes. And then around the 4.30 mark, Doc yanked Kawhi, sat him for a couple minutes, brought him back with like, uh, I think around 145, two minutes left, and hits a couple shots, gets it to six, and then the Suns respond and win. Uh, So to me, like when you look at it with a context, it's not like he just yanked him in the middle of a quarter for no reason. They're trying to keep him within a certain minutes range and – they really, you know, if, if Doc had not pulled him, he would have played the entire quarter or maybe at least like the first nine, ten minutes before maybe the game was over at that point. So I think it makes sense when you look at it that way. Um, I know it's not the easiest thing to explain to fans, but uh, what's kind of your take on, on you know, a, a minutes range and, and sort of how Doc has to navigate that, especially in fourth quarters, close games? Yeah, there's a lot to kind of unpack there. The first thing is, you know, talking about just the six minute spurts and the rotations that coaches set up that's something all coaches do for all their players you can watch it anybody you've watched over a long period of time you kind of get a sense of when they go in games and when they go out and you get that idea of this is how long they want to go there have been guys who i've known who coaches have been able to play for a full quarter but have to give them six minutes the next quarter and then you know, then get him in at that six-minute mark to get them to finish the second quarter and so on. So it's different per guy, and you have to have that feeling. For Doc, too, he's he's learning Kawhi as he's going. This is his first year coaching him, and he's figuring it out. We have to – the other thing Clippers fans have to really understand more than anything else, games in October, games in November aren't going to mean much. You know, whether it's a win or a loss – you know, the, the idea is you want to keep Kawhi healthy and playing all the way to June. June, uh, just so Clipper fans understand that, that's a new experience for Clipper fans. But we want to be playing till June, so you want to just make sure it's fine if you drop a game because of load management or, or, or the minutes restriction or, or whatnot. Because ultimately, that's not going to really decide things. It's going to set you up. What really matters is keeping him healthy and ready to go for the playoffs. So that's got to be the focus a lot of times, and that's the thing, fans. This is something it's new for the Clippers, you know, Clipper <laughs> fans. That experience of you know, for years, it's always been like we got to get in the playoffs, we got to get seeding. Listen, he's the best player on the planet right now. I, I don't think it's really a contest. He's amazing on both ends of the court. So you just want to make sure you keep him healthy. And Kawhi playing six minute bursts, you know, for a couple, you know, a couple of quarters, that should be enough to get it done against most teams. So, I, as someone who was at that game and you know, watched it, the, one of the closest seats in the league, you know, second row uh, in Phoenix. I, I like those seats. The arena, kind of old. The Jumbotron, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the Jumbotron. It's like a, a cell phone screen, like a smartphone <laughs> screen. But it's like half the size of this, which is one of the smaller Jumbotrons uh, in the league. We're looking at the Staples Center Jumbotron right now uh, for context. But the Clippers weren't going to win that game. Like, even if Kawhi played the entire quarter, their defense was abysmal. They gave up 130 points to the Suns. Uh, they, they were not, you know, closing out on, on the Suns' big men shooters. Like, they were picking and popping them. Uh, the Suns were doing, you know, finding guys in the corner. Like, the, the Suns ended up shooting, you know, half of their field goals were three-point attempts. They, they shot 43 three-point attempts of their 86 field goals. So the Clippers' defense was just bad in that game. I mean, maybe Kawhi, like, keeps it closer, and, and they're, they're in that, like, four to eight range for a while. But I, I just didn't see what the type of defense that the Clippers were playing. Uh, I don't think Kawhi was going to single-handedly change that for uh, as great as he is. And he would have gotten tired eventually, you know, around that four or five-minute mark, whatever. So let's fast forward to the Utah game. Just, which, just real quick, too, though, I just want point differential doesn't matter in yeah. the NBA basketball. So keeping him in and losing by four instead of losing by eight doesn't make a difference. There's not This isn't soccer yeah, no, or no. any aggregate or anything like that. So, you know, so I mean, I'm it, with it, you it matters that. for the stat nerds. It, it, yes. matter, it matters for, yeah. And that's like, and, and, and no the offense, some of yeah. you are listening, but who cares? Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I think, yeah. I think, and that kind of plays out in the aggregate. Right. Like we're we're gonna see it over the course of 82 games, and I think that this team is is gonna have enough double digit wins to kind of satisfy their point differential. But so going to last night's game against the Utah Jazz, uh, the Clippers announced at shoot around that Kawhi was going to load manage in the fifth game of the season. Right. Uh, so th- this is literally two games after the Suns game. 
uh, where you know he has his minutes limited in the fourth. Then two games later, you know, within the first five games of the season, he, he sits out uh, with the you know hopes of, of playing against the Spurs, his former team, and. A lot of fans were upset with that, and I knew based on the Phoenix reaction, fans were going to be even more upset right. uh, based on you know him resting. I think it made sense, uh, especially if you're picking between the two. Like one, you have to travel to Utah; one, you can stay in LA. Uh, obviously, one is against his former team. I think that was a factor because you know Kawhi, Kawhi's input on this. Like yeah. Doc said, anytime we rest a guy, like the player has input. Uh, it's not just like a unilateral decision where we're telling them, "Hey, you're sitting out tonight." Like so you got to think for Kawhi, it made a lot more sense to play against the Spurs, to stay in L.A. And I actually think, like, I saw this sentiment kind of out there of, like, well, on a back-to-back set, you should play your better guy against the better team and and rest them against the worst team, which I understand to an extent, but I also think you could flip that argument and say, why not rest them against the better team? A game, you know, even if Kawhi played last night, they still might have lost to the Jazz. Uh, And then play him tonight against the Spurs – where, you know, it's not a guaranteed victory, but your odds against the Spurs with Kawhi are greater than your odds against the Jazz on the road with Kawhi. So to me, uh, the Clippers played this well. They ended up getting the victory tonight, uh, 103 to 97. Uh, and we'll talk about the game in a little bit. But uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about, low. you know, we, we just talked about the, like the minutes restriction and, and some of the stuff doesn't really matter right now. But actual load management in, in the fifth game of the season uh, you know, a stretch of three games and four nights. Uh, what's, uh, you know, is that too soon? Uh, you know, should they be looking maybe to start in like the 15 to 20 game mark? Like is five games too early or, um, you know, should he sit out back to backs and always be resting one? Cause they have 13 this season. So that right there is 13, not to mention any potential wear and tear that kind of happens during the season. So you're maybe looking at just off the top, of my head like 17 to 20 games potentially and then it looks like the the Raptors last season so I'm curious you know do, do you think it's just kind of meaningless of hey it's just a fifth game like they wanted to rest him it is what it is or is this maybe something we're going to see a lot more of than we we kind of thought I think the what game it is doesn't matter as much whether it's the fifth game or the you know 37th game like this is going to be something that we have to adjust to and something we've learn if you follow the Raptors like this is something it's going to happen all season I'm a big believer first off I don't think anybody should be playing back to back so I'm a big believer yeah. we should have back to backs right and I'm a big believer in the sense of for Kawhi you know he really shouldn't be playing back to backs and it made sense to sit him in the Utah game just because that's two flights he doesn't have to take he doesn't yeah. have to fly to Utah and then late that night fly back to LA to be here for San Antonio so I think that kind of makes a lot of sense the idea of just when to rest him, that's something that, you know, Doc, Kawhi and his team and the, the training staff with the Clippers really got to figure out and work together. You know, when I was with San Antonio, we planned our ba- we planned what games we were going to rest guys way ahead of time. Yeah. You know, Tim- and, and I, th- I think they did. I think they, they, they did plan this. Yeah, so I mean, if, if, if you have this stuff kind of planned out, you know, you stick with the plan unless you have to change it. But right now, just, just roll with it and you know, the nights he rests, that's a good thing. You know, that's and whether win or lose, just understand he's getting the rest he needs, the body needs to recover. The NBA season is grueling. I mean, it's going to wear down Jovan. I mean, it's going to wear down the, <laughs> strongest, <already> down. <laughs> the strongest guys we know are, are going to begin to get worn down. So, of course, Kawhi's going to get worn down a little bit. So, it's a good thing in the sense that your best player needs those breaks. And then when the Clippers get Paul George back, you know, it's not like it's an automatic wash. You know, it's, it's yeah. you know, I mean, they're still going to be in games with Paul George and Lou Williams and Trez and all those guys. You know, it's it's I, one of those things I wouldn't stress too much about. It's just something they should come to expect because it's like we said earlier, man, it's the playoffs. You need this guy to be healthy for the playoffs. Yeah, what, what I think this kind of crystallized to me, and, you know, it, it is a road game. It is the Utah Jazz, the best defense in the league, one of the best teams in the league. Uh, you know, going to be a contender for home court in the West. I do have some concerns for the Clippers uh, in terms of resting Kawhi without Paul, because to me, this team without both of those guys is not the same team as last season. And a lot, you know, I've seen a lot of fans kind of suggest, well, you know, if, if the, they're they're resting, like we'll be fine. Like you know, Lou will take over. Trez, they're miss. You know, it, it's it's last season, like. 
they're deeper than last season's team, but they don't have Shea and Gallo. And, and those are two huge offensive pieces for them. Um, and, and even defensive uh, in terms of Shea, like his ability to guard wings and not have Landry or Pat guard those guys. Uh, you know, sometimes Pat would anyway, like we saw in the playoffs. But, you know, Shea's size and, and defensive versatility was, was really huge for that starting unit. So, you know, this team without Kawhi and PG to me is like a – 25 to 31 team like I, I think they're a lottery team I don't think they're that good and you know I, I think the Utah game was the final score was was a little bit closer than the actual game was and you know I I, I don't know I, I so I guess my concern is if Paul is on the the longer side of that recovery time window you know 15 to 20 games and he's not coming back till like let's say late November there's probably going to be at least one or two more games Kawhi rests. And to me, unless they're playing like Cleveland or, uh, you know, Memphis or and, – and I don't think they play those teams over the next month, like it might automatically just be a loss. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, – it. the thing is, you, you touched on it, you know. This isn't the same team from last year because of – without Gallo and Shea. And those guys really contributed so much to that playoff run that the Clippers made. So I'm with you on that. It does make things more difficult in that sense. But I think the, the and I think we have a back-to-back coming up with uh, Milwaukee and Portland. So it'll be interesting to see which game Kawhi sits. My guess is he sits one of those. I don't know which one. Um, it's going to be a challenge in that sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's just kind of this is the situation they're in, you know. And it's hard because it's the West. And the West is so stacked, you know, a couple losses here and there, and you're in trouble. So, so. That, 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 I think, is, is the one thing that, like, I think the balance with this is as they, like, unpack the chairs in yeah. front of us. <laughs> Last time with Waz, I was on the other side, and I was hoping going on this side it would be more quiet. They're just but. following <laughs> you. They're just following you, yo, Um You know, I, I think the thing with the, the thing with the balancing it is, like, I, you, I think you have to be careful because I don't think you could just like okay they're not going to go 17 and five right. in you know the, the if he misses 22 games again like they're not going 17 and five they're not winning 77 percent of their games without Kawhi uh, you know maybe if they ensure Paul plays in the rest of them like they can get close to that but it's the West and I think you know even having just one of those guys they're a playoff team right but you know I, I kind of see them in that like four or five range maybe more than like the clear cut number one which i think they will be one fully healthy so i i just think that they have to really be strategic with the scheduling of this because if they're not careful if they you know if, if Kawhi rests let's just say like 12 games and they go like four and eight right. or three and nine or something like that is going to be detrimental to their record and that could be the difference between Let's say a three seed and a six seed, like, and and that's a big difference. But you know, the the to me, this isn't a team that needs to have home court advantage. Yeah, like, no. and that's and that's kind of the the scenario I'm at. Like, if and and you know what's going to happen is, let's say, assume they're the six seed. Everybody's going to say, "Oh man, this is the most dangerous six seed ever." You know, yeah. and this is the team nobody wants to face. You know, things we're going to get all of that that kind of storylines and things. So for me, just with the way this team is constructed. I just don't think, you know, they just got to make sure they're in and they're healthy. Um, ideally so, with home court advantage, but it's not it's not a, a, it's, a must for them. I, I think it's not a must, but we just have such a sample size of, you know, traditionally a finals team is usually a top three seed in, in the conference. And you have exceptions. You have the... The, you know, one of the, I think one of the Hakeem Rockets teams yeah. was a six seed. Uh, you know, in the East, you can you can be any seed and, and make. The, but you can be the eight seed, like the like the Knicks in ninety eight. I, I also think when this team's fully healthy, ninety nine. When they're fully healthy, I don't think it's really. I don't think they're going to pile up losses. I don't think. I think they'll win way yeah, more. Their win percentage is going to be it's going to be pretty but damn high. I guess so. I, I just wonder. I, I I'm almost viewing it like. I think Paul's going to miss the first. Doc has kind of hinted 10. I think that that's low. I think it's going to be 12 to 15 on the lower side and, and potentially up to 20 on the higher side. And then I think he's going to he's going to have his own load management. He's going to have some minutes restriction. Yep. And he could potentially miss another 
five to ten games. So I, I think I assume they'll stagger it where they're not going to have both out. Um, that would be the smart thing. Who knows? You know what their plan is, how how they kind of view it. Maybe they're like, hey, we'll just kind of two birds with one stone, rest them both, and just take you know take, take the, loss the loss instead right. of potentially spreading the losses out over multiple games. Uh, but uh, you know, I just think it's going to be fascinating to watch because. There, there's going to be some level of strategy involved, and, and I'm interested to see how they kind of approach it. Like, I, I think with the context of this back-to-back, like the Utah game was the better choice to rest. Uh, I know some people, or maybe a lot of people, won't agree with that, but that to me was, was the smart choice. But I just think moving forward, it's going to be interesting to see, like, you know, if Paul does miss 20 games, do they maybe hold off on, on Kawhi's load managing and then you see like an increase once Paul is back or does it not matter and and he rests four games while Paul's out and then you know same kind of percentage for the rest of the season Uh, you know so to me I'm just kind of as an observer very intrigued by kind of how they attack this because I think there's 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 no blueprint for this you know there's so many different ways you can strategize it and and just kind of uh, approach it and you know we've never really seen we, we've seen it a little bit with, with Pop, and we've seen, you know, obviously Kawhi last year, but, like, there's the potential that two guys are load managing. And right. Doc has even mentioned Lou and Pat as guys he thinks they're going to need to be careful with the minutes of and potentially rest. So, like, this really could be team load management this year where you have, you know, four of your best six guys resting fairly consistently. Yeah, and I think it's uh, the strategy of it is they got to be willing to modify it if they have to. You know, and, and whatever the situation is. So if for some reason they go, oh, wow, we really have to rest Paul this game. Hey, Kawhi, I know we planned this one, but you need we need you to play this one and we'll get you later and, and things like that. That's, you can't be so rigid as, like, this is strictly the plan. You know, uh, with the Spurs, it was it was a fluid idea. There were times where it was like, damn, man, like, hey, we really need you to play these games. Uh, if the schedule's not right, or, or, or I'm sorry, if the, the record's really – struggling and they're losing more games than they thought they would then it's like why we can't rest you as much it's 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 a luxury right now but you know we'll they'll see as they go and they'll have to adjust on the fly and across the board you know because doc's right you know there's going to be games where they're going to need to rest lou and or trez so i i'm intrigued by that because i part of me reads it as you know doc kind of pushing back on the Kawhi rest narrative and him almost like kind of defending Kawhi and being like hey he's not going to be the only guy like you know this the story isn't just Kawhi resting it's going to be a team-wide thing so I'm just interested to see you know game 82 how many games of Kawhi rest versus (laughs) you know I have a feeling it's going to be double whatever Lou and Pat Uh, maybe like I mean who who knows but But, even but but even if it is he's also coming back from what was a fairly traumatic injury to himself so it's like you know and, and none of us really know how healthy Kawhi is, you know, he, he, and, and that injury altogether. So I was I was talking with, with someone from the Clippers, and and they mentioned this, which I, I think is a good way to look at it. Like, you know, you you we think of these things like, you know, we want this guy 100 percent by the playoffs, and they're like, no one's ever 100 percent by the playoffs. Yeah. Like, you're 85 percent, you're 75 percent, you're 60 percent. So like, you're not trying to make sure Kawhi and PG are 100 percent. You're trying to make sure they're seventy percent, eighty percent. Like you know, it's a battle against. It's it's a war of attrition, and it's it's really, you know, every every game Kawhi plays or, or Paul plays, like that is potentially one percent off of their you know percentage at the end of the season when the playoffs are starting. So if you can say, or you know, maybe even point three percent, but that's going to add up. And if you could save those bullets, you know, for April, May, and June, like that's really all that matters with this team. They've already won you know pacific division titles they've they've won 56 57 games they've made the second round like this is about mid to late may early to mid june like conference finals and finals like if this team does not make the conference finals it is a disappointment of a season and really i think they should make the finals like when you're in the finals who knows we've seen the better team loses sometimes in, in recent history but you know, it's, it's not always just a guarantee just because you're the better team you're going to win. But for me, like, this team has to make the conference finals. And to get there, you need Paul George and Kawhi Leonard as close to 
eighty percent as possible versus like hundred because that, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, and you you also need Trez and Lou to do, yeah, be, yeah, be yeah. that as well. And the other thing too that people kind of forget when we talk about Kawhi season last year, even in the playoffs he was hurt. Yeah. He was dragging his leg. So yeah. I mean, it's not doing all the load management is great. It doesn't guarantee full health things like that so or or even the 80 percent you know and it's just this is the reality of the situation you know right now you're just trying to manage the guy as much as you can and you're trying to manage all your players across the board so you know uh i think we'll see Kawhi rest a ton more than the other guys like you said but i think those guys will get some rest i think you know doc's aware of how he's got to kind of manage all these guys because those nights when Kawhi rests or paul george rests that's extra stress on Lou and, and Trez. Yeah. And those guys need that. They, at some point, need to kind of get a chance to recover from that. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see those guys get some good days off as well. All right, let's dig into tonight's game. Um, not much to unpack, I feel like. Uh, I think the story of the game was Kawhi dropping 38, uh, 15 of 32 shooting. There, there was a while there that was, like, I think, 8 of, like, 23. Right. So he, he really closed the game hot. Um, 12 rebounds. He was the first Clipper since Tobias Harris in December to have you know 38 plus points and 11 plus rebounds. Um, and if you stretch that to 12, he was the first since Blake in 2015. So really impressive night for Kawhi. Season highs in points and rebounds. Uh, he came out gunning. You know we we had seen I think his his season low and assists up to this point had been six. He had one tonight. Um, you know. The, the Spurs kind of defended him weird. Uh, a lot of Bryn Forbes, a lot of DeMar DeRozan uh, versus like going with Rudy Gay or Derek White. Uh, I thought that was interesting from the Spurs end. A lot of one-on-one coverage. Like, you know, they, they were kind of shading over to him uh, when, when he was driving into the middle and then pulling up for his patented mid-range shots. But, you know, not really a lot of doubling. Um not as aggressive as an approach as we've seen, and if you're going to play Kawhi one on one, you know he's going to go 15 to 32 right. because you know he, he's just that good. And you know I thought, I honestly thought he left a lot of points on the board. He had a lot of good shots he just missed, and that could have easily been 18 of 32 or 20 of 32. And you're looking at you know 46, 48 points. So uh, I, I thought he was brilliant tonight. Um, and and look and coming off the rest, right? Like, <laughs> uh. You know the thing is, I thought with the Spurs plan uh, was Pop was looking at it more like we're not going to let Kawhi play make for everybody else. You know, I, I, Pop knows that Kawhi was going to eat feast on one on one, but he knew too though if, if he could kind of stop the other guys from killing him. You know, the kickouts to Landry Shamit for a three or. Or Lou Williams, who's had attacks to pay and, and whatnot. And we saw Lou struggle tonight shooting and things like that. I think that was kind of the game plan I, I think Pop was going with. Uh, you know, it worked for a while. I mean, Kawhi started out 8 of 22, 8 of 23, and then he got hot. And once he got hot, it's kind of ball game. You're in a tough situation. But I think that was the, the thinking from the Spurs end. And, you know, you just got to try something different because everybody's always trying to double Kawhi hope the other guys miss so he's just trying to keep him guessing and keep him off balance maybe well yeah i think it was interesting because we had seen that so much this season where teams were trying to force the ball out of Kawhi's hands and making him into a playmaker and he's been picking teams apart dissecting them uh and other guys have been stepping up and you saw like tonight there's only three clippers and double figures uh lou had 12 points 5 and 19 shooting he when Lou's off, it's it's pretty it's off. It's, it's ugly looking. <laughs> uh, and, and he's kind of had a you know weird start to the season where I, I got to check his field goal percentage. But you know he, he's never really been a high field goal percentage guy. Uh, you know, low to mid forties usually on the lower end. But like I'm pretty sure he's under forty percent to start the season. Uh, he, he you know he's still putting up points, but he's not been shooting the ball well. Uh, and then Trez, a nice bounce back game from him. He only played, I think, uh, 14 minutes last night because he got in foul trouble. Rudy Gobert is not the best matchup for him. Um, so he had a pretty quiet night. He bounced back 24 points on 9 of 11 shooting. Uh, I mean, Lou Trez pick and roll is going to be the Lou Trez pick and roll. And, uh, you know, Trez and Kawhi have developed some some really good chemistry to start the season. Um, did, did anything else stand out to you from either Lou and Trez or, or kind of the rest of this game? You know, I thought, like you said, Trez had a good bounce-back game. It, he really kind of owned the paint. 
You know, and and it was just one of those things. Like, every time he rolled and got the ball, you you just felt like good things were going to come from this. And I felt like he he did a good job on LaMarcus Aldridge. I mean, this was was a very good game from Trez. You know, Lou Lou struggled. And I think part of it might be Lou also still trying to figure out how to play with Kawhi, how to get this whole thing going, and how to make the system work. And I think it takes a while to figure it out. I mean, the... Clippers are lucky, and even Doc said it in his post-game press conference that Kawhi and Trez are developing chemistry pretty quickly, and so that helps for that makes things easy for Kawhi. But it's going to take a little more time for Lou, who's used to having the ball in his hands a lot more than he does now. So that's going to take some time, and it's and, and I won't be surprised to see if he's shooting below forty percent from the field right now, and, and it's because it's just again it's a whole adjustment period, and it could take you know it's never quick. It's, you know sometimes it is like it. Kawhi and, and Trez, but that's also because Trez has been rolling this whole time. You know, he's just—it's just a different guy passing to him. Yeah. For Lou, it's different because he's got—he's so used to holding the ball. Now he's got to figure out how to, how can he be useful and put himself in the right positions without the ball, and that's going to take a little more time to figure out. I, I think what stood out to me and has stood out this season is Avica Zubac's defense, and it's something that not you know kind of on the nerdier side of topics to talk about but I think when people looked at this roster they felt like they didn't have a rim protector they felt like they needed another center I still think you can make the case they do I think Joakim Noah would be great for this team you know last season's Memphis version of him uh, if that guy ends up being healthy and available because uh, uh, from what I've heard he's not healthy right now um, so it, you know that guy I think would help the Clippers uh, but that being said, I think people are, have not paid attention to the job Vitsa Zubats has done this season, and really dating back to last season. If you saw the numbers with him on the court, you know, post trade, uh, the Clippers defense was much better. Uh, I think you know you can make the case that that's because Trez isn't the best defender, and you know there's a size difference there, a rebounding difference there. But Zubats statistically is kind of on that cusp of being a top. 10 rim protector uh, at least statistically you know you can use the eye test to kind of judge stuff and and maybe he's a little bit lower but to me he's right there like kind of knocking on that door of a second like second tier rim protector and he's not Rudy Gobert Joel Embiid um, you know whoever else you want to throw in Miles Turner like whoever else you want to throw in that mix of like the elite elite top rim protectors he's not there but I think he's in that conversation with whatever that next you know group of, of bigs is now he's not playing that much so he, he's only you know he played just under 17 minutes a night he was playing 16.2 heading into tonight so you know i guess i'll put him at maybe 16 and a half i would like to see him play more i would like to see him play 20 to 22 minutes um you know it, it's tough because trez is such a valuable offensive piece for them and they really haven't played those two a lot together. Uh, you know, Doc has tinkered with it a little bit, but neither one has shown the the stretch that you would like to see if you're going to play those two together. Uh, so they're both rollers. Right. They, they both play close to the basket. Uh, so I, I guess, you know, it's tough to say, like, play Trez less, but I do think there is such a big defensive gap between them and, and also on the glass where – I would like to see Zoo get a little bit more playing time because I, I just think his defensive impact has been very underrated and, and very impressive. And, again, it's not something that's going to jump out on the box score unless he gets, like, two or three blocks. But I, I think he's quietly developed into one of the better defensive young bigs in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's a young guy. It takes a while to, to figure it out. And it's, it's incremental growth from what you see from him, you know, as he's getting better at it. And it's just a tough spot, you know, for Doc because it's Trez is so valuable on the offensive end, you know, and, and Zubac can't really replicate that as well. So, you know, it's it's hard because then you're in that situation, well, what do you care more about, you know, offense or defense? And if you have Kawhi and Bev, Pat Beverly on the court already defending and making it difficult on guys, and at some point you're going to add Paul George, you know, it just becomes a tough situation where it's like, do I even need to have another guy there? Uh, you know, like, yes, it would be nice if they could get Joe Kim Noah and another yeah. guy and, 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 and upgrade, and, and not even upgrade, but just kind of strengthen that. Yeah. 
but like that also doesn't guarantee that those guys, you know, that that uh, no one's going to come in and be the answer right away. Or yeah, like I mean, that. I think I think it's more actually like a break in case of emergency guy where. Right. You know, I, well, I, I wasn't expecting Patrick Patterson to be as big of a fixture in the rotation as he's been, but he's primarily played the four. Like, you know, if they've had another a third five, it's, it's really been Jermichael Green, right. who, which Doc really likes that lineup. He went to it in the playoffs. He, he has said he wants to play it more. Um, and, and I'm actually more, even if Zoo's minutes go a little bit to Jermichael in that sense, like, I'm good with that. I, I just think there are times where. Uh, you know, this isn't meant to like pick on Trez, but I, I just think you, you've seen when he's kind of the center, like it, it, it's almost a runway to right. the rim. And uh, I think as you look at, you know, there's going to be certain matchups that Clippers can easily play Trez, and it's just like no brainer that's our closing center or, or that's the center who plays the most tonight. But I do think there are certain matchups against the Rudy Gobert, against the Nikola Jokic, or Joel Embiid, where you might want to play Zoo 25 minutes that night. You might want him to close that game because, uh, you know, I do have some reservations of what that lineup, you know, looks like at the end of a game against a really top elite center. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's that's going to be the that's going to be the biggest problem for the Clippers. You know, their best lineup has Trez at the five, and if they play the Sixers in the finals, assuming both teams get there, yeah. The Sixers are probably one of the biggest teams. They're bigger than the Monstars. I mean, yeah. they're, they're they're a big-ass team. And Joel Embiid obliterated this team last season. Yeah, and I think that's that's a a, a tough matchup. And it's, it's going to be tough for Zubac yeah, you yeah. Know, as well. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, you're in that tough bind because what do you do in that situation? And I think the the challenges there are, are going to be like, Zoo has to be able to contribute on the offensive end close to what Harold's doing not that he's he's gonna yeah, be yeah he's, he's probably he's never gonna be that I mean I think I think he's shown fly, like you know he, he usually shown, gets buckets early he's shown and good then kind of gets to the rim yeah. and things like that but it's and and, and, and and he's not gonna be as explosive as Trez yeah. or anything like that but he needs yeah, to be tre- able to Trez draws of, fouls really well exactly and I like he went to the line tonight nine times I think uh yeah six and nine so I think that's something that's a, a, a bit of a difference so you know, but Zoo's got to find a way to at least not make it such a glaring difference. You know, he's never going to match it, but it can't be like, like, yo, that's a 10, 10 point difference instead of a let's make try to break it down to a five point difference because then it's like, well, he brings so much more for us on the defensive end. It's kind of worth it. Okay, so final thoughts here. Uh, we are a week and a half into the season. You know, th- this podcast is going to, co- you know, it's Thursday night right now. Podcast is going to come out Friday morning. So by the time my next podcast comes out, it will have been about two weeks into the season. So, and the Clippers are only going to have one game over that stretch. They, they have a game Sunday against the Jazz. Then their next game is Wednesday against Milwaukee. So, point, you know, where I'm going with this is two, basically two weeks into the season. This team is four and two. Uh, a loss to the Suns that I think looked worse at the time than it was with, with the way Phoenix has started the right. season. Uh, and then a loss to the Jazz, which, hey, even with a healthy Kawhi, you might lose that game. Right. But without him, you know, to, to lose by 15, you know, I, I think, again, the, the game wasn't as close as the final score showed, but you lost by 15. So you, you walk away from that like, hey, like, we, you know, we there was a couple times where they, they got it relatively close in the second half uh, after Mike Conley just torched them. Oh, so I guess what are your thoughts through the first two weeks in a broader sense of, of these Clippers and – have they looked like the team that you think they can be in, in spurts or you know, like the Lakers game and, and right. maybe parts of tonight closing this game? Um, have they disappointed or is it you know just kind of about where they should be given who's been available, who, who's rested, uh, who, who's rested fourth quarter? Like you know, right. the, with, the, with the Kawhi kind of limitations to, to start the season, um, you know, it's four and two. I guess where, where they should be. Yeah, I think it is actually. I don't think you know. I think we all got really excited with their first two games. Yeah. I mean, we they crushed the Lakers, they crushed the Warriors, and we all were like, like this team's unbeatable. I'm making yeah. jokes of they're going to go 82 and 0. There's yeah. no way somebody's stopping them. And it's you know, it's we got a little ahead of ourselves because that was them at their ceiling, at their at their very best, and that's without Paul George. Like they could go to another level. You know, I thought going into the season, I thought they'd actually start even slower. Just so, on the pure, yeah, so did I. Yeah, 
just got there's a lot of there's changes. Still, there's still time for that's <laughs> true. Yeah, you know, they got a tough week coming up. I mean, they got uh, Utah, Milwaukee, Portland, and it's, Miami. I think yeah. those are those are some tough teams right there. Uh, I think you know it, we're going to see them kind of go through stretches of up and down and try to figure it out. I mean, this is one of those things. It's like. Uh, it's like baking a cake, you know. Right now, they're just getting all the ingredients together and making sure they have everything they need before they even start mixing. So I think that's where they're at right now, and we're going to see a lot of weird up and downs. I mean, Landry Shamit still hasn't even started to hit shots, you know. Lou's still trying to figure out where he is in the offense. So, you know, the we saw them really start out great those first two games, and now we've kind of seen them come down to earth a little bit. Patrick Patterson isn't hitting the shots the way he was you know, early on. Don't get me started. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is he your new uh, Avery Bradley? Is this your... Uh, uh, the, the, we're almost the, there yet? The, the, the smell test is, is smelling a little Avery <laughs> to, to start this season. <laughs> so I think that's the... But I think we're we're a little bit, you know, right where we should be. And I, and, and I don't think anybody should panic if we lose a couple of games in a row or anything like that. Just see how this whole thing uh, shakes out. Because, again... This is new for the Clippers. It's long-haul basketball. It's not every game matters point right now. They're literally ripping the floor out from under us. <laughs> I, think I think they're telling us something. Uh, yeah, my, my general takeaway, I, I would say I think they should be 5-1. and one. I, I thought the Suns loss, while the, the Suns are not the Suns of old, I just thought the way they defended in that game was, was just so bad right. that it was just like, Pretty, a little disappointing for them to come out with that. And there was even a couple guys who, like, I'm not going to say any names, but there was a couple guys who were almost like, we got so up for that Lakers and, and those Lakers and Warriors games that we almost felt like this was kind of an emotional letdown where it was like, we're playing the Suns. Like, there's no, you know, the Lakers, it's the Lakers, Battle LA. Right. You know, this has been the hype matchup of the summer. And then the Warriors, that's the team that just beat them in the playoffs. And for, for Kawhi, you know, he's obviously faced them multiple times in the playoffs, just beat them in the finals. So, like, there are some extra motivations in those games. Uh, you know, and, and Steph versus the Clippers is, you know, Doc has his history with the Warriors yeah. and Draymond and stuff. So, those two clearly had some motivations. The Suns game did not. Um, even the Hornets game, which I thought was a little disappointing. I mean, they ended up winning by 15, but... It was, you know, for the first half, a very close game, and they didn't really break away till that third and kind of looked a little checked out of that game coming off the Suns' loss. So I think there's been a little – to me, I think the, the most disappointing thing of all to start, I would say, has been the defense. Right. Uh, and this was a team that profiled, you know, last season after the trade deadline. They were a top-nine defense for the first, like, two months after – or not two months uh, – like month and a half and then the last week and a half of the season they just you know i don't know if you remember like they had the utah game where like grayson allen went off they had the lakers game where crusoe went off and like they just ended this and and the warriors game where the warriors wore the old school jerseys and and blew them out so they had like some pretty bad defensive performances to end the the season so i think they finished like i want to say 19th post trades but they're a top 10 defense with the limited personnel that they yeah. had last season. I mean, it really was like Pat Beverly, uh, Jermichael Green, Garrett Temple, and Zubats as like your four best defenders. Right. And, you know, that was like a top nine defense. So looking into this season, like you add Kawhi, you add Mo Harkless, you have Green and Zubats and, and Shamit another year or, you know, an actual training camp to go through. Um, you know, you're bringing back Pat and Rodney Magruder. And like, you know, Rodney's been injured, but... I just felt their defensive talent should easily be, you know, at worst in like the 10 to 12 range, you know, maybe 15th at worst. But for them to start the season as a bottom 10 defense, you know, we're in the bottom five after the first like three, four games. Like that to me is just kind of inexcusable for the defensive talent that they have, even without Paul George. Now, obviously, when Paul's back, if they're still not a top 15 defense, there's going to be some bigger issues there. But you know, I fully expect them to be a top ten defense when they have Kawhi and PG healthy, like if not top five. But I, that to me would be the only kind of disappointment. Otherwise, look, like they're four and two. They, they, you know, I think they've probably exceeded expectations, like you said, in, in terms of their win total. Like they, they don't have an easy opening schedule, and you know, I, I suspect they probably win the Utah game if Kawhi plays on Sunday, and you know, and then we'll see what happens with Milwaukee, Portland, but. Um, 
you know, especially what if Kawhi rests one of those right, two, right. Uh, and, and which one they they pick. Um, you know, and, and part of me, one thing we didn't mention quickly was like, you know, there, there's a gamesmanship element to resting against the Utah, maybe against the Milwaukee, where you don't you're not seeing Kawhi against that team and, and that team now can't scout Kawhi and kind of have a little bit of a sample size on video to, to pull from in future matchups so that's another element to it I think but for me overall I would give them an A- minus to start these first six games and like it's funny to be grading the first six games yeah, but that's what we're doing that's what so. we do that's what we do <laughs> so I, I give them an A- minus. like I, I you know I would give it would be an A plus or an A with a 5-1 and one record or a better defense but to me, the Phoenix loss, and in a bit broader sense, the defensive kind of struggles to start the season are what have me a little bit concerned. You know, concerned. Right. Yeah, and those are fair concerns. I think the defense, I think the hardest thing in terms of uh, with the many new guys and, and building a defense is building defensive chemistry, yeah, which is something that we don't talk about that much. We always talk about just chemistry as a whole, but there's a difference. It's easier offensively because you're running scripted plays. Defense, you're reacting to what the other it's team's doing. It's even harder. It's harder. That's, so it, I think that takes a little more time. So, you know, and that was something that was, you know, those first two games, that's what surprised me about it. I was like, wow. They look like they, they had it. They look like they had it already. That's what I was like, wow, if they have this already, like, damn. I think even the Warriors game, though, like they gave up 122 points it, to that team. The next game the Warriors played, they scored 92 against the Thunder. Right. And it's just like, you know, you, you shouldn't be giving up. I mean, it, that was a fast-paced game. They dropped 141, but you shouldn't be giving up 122 to, to that Warriors team. Yeah. I unless think, Steph goes off for 45. But. but I think that also had to do a lot with just like the, the – Possessions, yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that, and how and that game was played. Second so, unit, you know, third unit was when in, you're, like, yeah, yeah, when you're playing, you're, 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 you're basically your end of your bench. You tend to yeah. give up a lot, so yeah. I think that's kind of something. But I, I, progressing in the right way, yeah. it's just going to take time, and you know, just got to see where we're at at you know after, you know, fifteen games, where we're at after twenty games, and so on. So yeah, I, I think one last thought. Um, I'm very interested in this Patrick Patterson thing. Uh, <laughs> so I, I talked about this with Waz last time, and this is now becoming – it is becoming my Avery a little bit because I'm like, all right, like tonight, 0-5 from the floor, 0-5 from deep. He did have nine rebounds, which something I'd – you know, he had not been rebounding the ball well. Uh, so for him to come out and have nine in, in under 19 minutes, that's, that's pretty solid for him. A couple assists, a uh, steal. So I'm just – it's something to monitor and maybe he's just a placeholder until Paul comes back. Paul starts, you know, I don't think they're going to go with Paul and Kawhi at the three, four. I think they're going to be at the two, three and they're going to start Jermichael or Mo at the four. But if they end up keeping Pat at the four, that to me, like the rest of the lineup might be so good that, you know, and he has a good net rating right now because of who he's, he's almost exclusively played with Kawhi, Pat and Zubats, which if you play with those three, you know, as like a foursome, you're, you're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Zubats and Pat have almost exclusively played together as a four-five combination. Uh, so, you know, with that in, like, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of, I don't know where I'm at with it because I think clearly Mo and Jamichael are better. They're playing Mo at the three, which they said they're going to play him at the four, but with Paul out, they're going to play him at the three. But like, I mean, even tonight, Jam- I mean, Jamichael went over three tonight, but he had eight rebounds uh, and a steal. He didn't play that well, um, you know, like coming off last night, you had 23 and 8, both season highs. Uh, I just, I'm interested to see kind of that thing because last season it didn't matter as much because that was a, you know, lower tier playoff team. If you're going to play Marcin Gortat and Avery Bradley, who are clearly worse than the guys backing them up, it doesn't really matter because you're an 8 seed. You're right. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're a 6 seed, you're whatever. When you're a title contender, Every possession matters even more. Every minute matters even more. Um, I think, honestly, through the six games, outside of that Warriors game, you could really question why Patterson's even in the rotation to begin with, uh, let alone starting. So that, to me, is going to be like, if Doc just wants to build bench continuity and, and see, maybe he's just testing who fits better with the bench, Jermichael or Moe, Whoever fits better, he's going to start the other one. Right. And, and and then once Paul's back, Pat is either playing a lot less minutes or a lot fewer minutes or out of the rotation entirely. 
then I'm like, all right, that kind of makes some sense. But if this is just going to be Avery again, where not only is the guy starting, but he's playing more, you know, because that, that's been the thing. It's not just that he's starting. If he was playing 12 to 15 minutes a night, that's one thing. But he's averaging more minutes than Mo Harkless right. and Jermichael Green, despite playing worse. So, and, you know, being a worse defender, being a better shooter than Mo, but a worse shooter than, than Jermichael, being a better, uh, worse rebounder than both of them. Like, that to me is like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I don't get it. And this is kind of a repeat of last season in that regard of Doc just, for whatever reason, picks a veteran and, and continues to start him That's who he regardless of, of what the data says or, or what they're contributing. So, yeah, that was, that was kind of a lot to just dump at the end. But that's that's where I'm at with Patrick Patterson right now. I'll just leave it with this one thing: as a Mo, I always think <laughs> you should play Mo more. That's you just 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 play, you should play Mo Mo. Play more Mo. You know, that's all I want. So you know, and he's he's delivered. He's been pretty good. So yeah. I think that's something to, to keep an eye on. It's definitely something to monitor. You you know, the your antenna is definitely up, and it's rightfully up. It's something to keep an eye on. And let's see what happens when Paul George comes back and what then, what then the rotation we'll looks. Yeah. All right, Mo. Well, just like Waz, you're going to be joining me consistently throughout the season. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it and look forward to talking to you down the road. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, social handles? Uh, both Instagram and Twitter. It's Mo Dakil, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram with that. Uh, and, you know, podcasting nonstop on The Athletic. Yes, sir. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Uh, be sure to subscribe to The Athletic if you have not already. Uh, as you should know by listening to these podcasts, half of them are going to be you know in front of the paywall. Half of them are going to be, be subscriber only behind the paywall. So you know, at worst, give us a shot. Subscribe for a week check out our content if you like it keep subscribing if you don't then you could unsubscribe <laughs> i can't even say the word because it's, it's I, i'm so, so i'm who so against it who would do such <laughs> i'm so against it but uh yeah so I'll, I'll be back next tuesday uh that is my at least first podcast of the week is going to consistently be on tuesdays as it previously was uh before i came over to the athletic uh second podcast is always going to be tbd but Looking for Thursdays, maybe Fridays. Uh, and yeah, well, be a lot to talk about next week with the Clippers playing the Jazz on s- Sunday, the Bucks on Wednesday, and potentially a finals preview, uh, the Blazers on, on Thursday, and then the Heat uh, over the weekend. So yeah, uh, a lot to unpack next week. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this load management talk i think we broke it down as well as anyone has as in depth as anyone has so um please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen to your podcasts and i will talk to you guys next week